1600 AM, KIVA, rockoftalk.chat, abq.fm. Yes, it's Saturday, and thank you for showing up here today. It's Chris Napier, and today we've got the Lone Depot Hour. How's it going today, Chris? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thankful for being here. Yeah, same here. All right. Where are we going today? Well, um, I wanted to end up, because the whole week's been talking about inflation, right? Uh-huh. So I wanted to end up talking about how at the beginning of the year, uh, something that I think a lot of people would be of interest of, and that interest is that they changed the CPI and how it's measured since January of this year. So um, as an example, there's three matrices that go into every consumer price index and two, uh, how it's calculated in general. One, it um, uses what's called substitution. Right? So if a steak costs from $10 to $15, you're not getting steak anymore. You're now getting hamburger, but it's still beef. So they use substitution. So they say, well, the steak didn't really go up to $10, you know, $15 a pound anymore because you can get a hamburger at $5 a pound. So right. you still got it anyway. So that's really not an inflationary because you have substitutes. Uh-huh. The other one is now what's referred to as weighted. And this is um, and so the second one is called weighted. The third one is called weighted. And so in this particular case, uh, how the percentage by which they get to 100%, right? Housing is, say, 30%. Food is 13%. And I'm getting general numbers. There's, like, very specifics down to, like, a hundredth of a thousand. It's, like, 13.3.9, you know, something like that. Um, so the they changed the weighting as of January from last year, I mean, from December to January. And so... If you change the weighting, you can change the outcome. And so when you actually end up saying, well, housing's not as big of a component of the entire inflation number like it used to be, you know, now you have, um, now you're going to have a whole different conversation. So as an example, if food went from 14% in the basket to 13% in the basket, even though food went up, say, 10%, it's not 10% at 14%, it's 10% at 13% for the average. Right, okay. So if you change the weighting, then you can actually look at possibly under-reporting the numbers. If it looks better, right? So interestingly enough, if we're at 7.5% on a CPI that now is under-reporting compared to last year, um, you can only imagine, that's the reason why I kind of go, people after a while kind of go, I'm not, that's not what I see in my basket. Right. That's not what I see in my energy costs. That's not what I see in putting the gas. Attain- I mean, you know, buying right. a car is 40 percent more expensive. You know, used cars prices went up 40 percent. So, you know, when you look at it, they they started they cut back on the weight on used and used cars, housing and food. And they kind of did all the other adjustments, which don't have a lot of effect right now and weighted those more heavily. And so when you get into it, it's basically a polite way of potentially looking at uh changing the CPI to look like it's less inflationary than it is. So you end up in a couple different positions. Something else I find fascinating is um, if you look at how everything was measured before, um, I don't remember the year it was, but there used to be a way they used to measure C, you know consumer price indexes compared to there. It used to be what's called cost of goods, right? 
and then they did cost of lifestyle, right? So what's interesting is, is you would actually go, okay, well, this is what it costs for bread, and this is what it costs for beef, and this is what it costs for sodas, and this is what it costs to buy my house, and this is what, you know. So it would actually go over hard cost of everything it would look like, and that's how you measured inflation from the 80s. In the 90s and 2000s, they started switching that model to from a cost of goods index, or COGI, to a COLI, which is cost of living index, which is a polite way of saying you can actually change it to now you get to do substitutionary. Then you get to do weighted, and you get to do all these other things that you used to not do, right? So how they measured it from the 80s to now is not even remotely the same. So some people disagree that, you know, like, well, my grocery bill went up 100 bucks a month. That's not no 7%, right? The average for the whole basket is not 7% if your you know, grocery bill went up $100, uh-huh. right? And so there's a lot of little things in how they calculate all that. But um, anyway, I find it fascinating. And the reason I find it fascinating in the mortgage business is that rates are going to go up based on what people believe the inflation numbers are, right? So when the federal government is now fighting inflation, which matrix are we looking at, right? Which numbers are we coming to, you know, which numbers are we reviewing? So if we're now looking at, you know, an average weighted that's less, you know, less per month, say a tenth of a percent. So instead of 7.6 or 7, like it might have been, it's a 7.5. Well, next month or then a month after that, maybe it goes to a 7.3 or 7%. Yay, we're winning. We're dropping the numbers, right? Not necessarily, huh? Yeah, maybe not. So if you took out some of the biggest inflation numbers and weighted, you know, made them less of a percentage as a weight, housing, food, and cars, which all skyrocketed, okay, well, you make them less, you uh, kind of turn the dial down. So it doesn't look as bad. And so that's why a lot of people, you know, may have a disconnect between what they show on TV and you're like, that doesn't even remotely represent what I'm dealing with. Right? Right. But what they're doing is that's how they're, that's how the policymakers are now deal. you know, so what happens is that's how the policymakers get into it. Right? And so you, so from every perspective in the planet, no politician, Democrat or Republican, wants CPI to go up. Right. Because if it's really hard for everybody to make ends meet now or harder over time, and we know it's just going to get harder and harder because prices are going up on everything, uh, no one's getting reelected. Right. So uh, the CPI, just so everybody knows in the audience, it comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So um, so again, just how everything's measured is how they're going to create policy to fight it and go through so uh, it's kind of like life as I kind of see it whatever you measure in your life is the only thing you can improve right you work out you watch your calories you watch your you know you work out you do all stuff you kind of measure your workouts you measure your calorie you know calorie stuff that's what trainers do when you don't have the motivation yourself they help you kind of track it all right and so when you start tracking is when you're able to measure and that's what you're able to improve. So if you change the measuring stick, okay. Anyway, it's the subtleties between everything, right? 
Um, you know, like, uh, and there's many more examples I could bring up. But so as you're going through this and as the environment imp- uh, continues to get worse, so here's something to consider. We're now in the first week of February. If you're going to do a, any kind of refinance or you need cash out of your property, I would call now. I wouldn't even wait any longer. I'd just move. The reason for that is the Federal Reserve is going to stop buying mortgages and stop buying interest rates by March. They will also raise the interest rates that banks charge each other. Okay. So the numbers you're seeing from all the mortgage companies are probably our new bottom line numbers. I don't think they're going to go down. Okay. After they remove the rest of the support or quantitative easing in March, there's, you know, they're talking about how much of a rate hike they're going to do. Well, don't get confused. That rate hike means between the banks and what they charge each other. That's not what you and I get as retail rates to cars and credit cards and mortgages. But it will indirectly affect all those things. So eventually when they remove all their support and all the quantitative easing, it will by nature move the rates up again. So when we're looking at March, if you're going to do anything, I would do it now. I wouldn't wait. So because after March, it's going to be probably the ne- you know, next three, four, five, six months that we're probably not much is going to change. I think we're going to end up in a position where rates are going to be in the fours like they are already now. Um, and they're just going to stay in the fours. What's going to happen is, and what I find amazing is, um, the only time that's going to break is if a too-big-to-fail institution or too-big-to-fail bank declares they're insolvent. If that happens, which would be a black swan, then the Federal Reserve has to go bail it out. If they bail it out, they have to buy all the rates back down. And that would be the only reason why the mortgage market would change as well. Otherwise, what we experienced for the last two years was an abnormally low, bought down by the Federal Reserve market. So we're not coming back to that unless something breaks, right? We hit a big recession we go into, you know, some too-big-to-fail institution going black swan on us, something like that. Then when the Federal Reserve has to go back and bail everybody out again, uh, then you might have rates come back down, but not before those two events happen. So we're guessing if we do the crystal ball, we're going to be in the fours for the rest of the year, if you can predict anything at all. But that's kind of the breakdown. So if you want to talk about a cash-out refinance, which makes sense, or you want to do some uh, debt consolidation, get your position, your total cash position in a really good place, or you're forced to refinance anyway, you ended up in a divorce, you, you know, you're now finally getting get in your real estate contract, and now you can refinance that, I would move. I wouldn't sit on this. So those are some... Um, options to take a look at. You can always reach me. I'm having those questions and having those answers. Uh, My phone number is 505-710-2499. And again, that's 505-710-2499. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. Give him a call. If you get time to make that decision, pull the trigger and get it done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, tune in again next Saturday for more on the Loan Depot Hour with Chris Napier. Right here on 1600 AM KIVA, rockoftalk.chat, and abq.fm. Stay tuned for more Saturday programming.
joy and pain Picture show Second balcony Was the place we'd meet Second seat Go Dutch treat You were sweet